when you are ordained to the priesthood, and also when you are ordained to the diaconate. You kneel before the bishop at one point during the ceremony with your hands folded in this prayerful fashion, and you place your folded hands into his, and he wraps his hands around yours. Then he looks into your eyes and he says, Do you promise respect and obedience to me and my successors? You respond, I do. If you know what's good for you anyway, that's how you respond. If you say, I don't, uh, the ceremony ends and everybody goes home. Now, once you have made that public promise of obedience, the bishop says to you these words, May God, who has begun the good work in you, bring it to fulfillment. That response of the bishop during the ordination ceremony is based on the passage from Philippians that we heard this morning, this text from chapter 1 of Paul's letter. There the apostle writes, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. But Father Ray, St. Paul wasn't writing his letter to the Philippians just to the priests and the deacons in that community. He was writing to all the Christians who resided in the city of Philippi at the time. That's correct. So obviously there's a sense in which this text applies not only to deacons and priests, but to everybody, to every single person who is a member of God's family, the church. So I ask you, church, those of you who are members of God's family, when exactly did this happen? When did God begin a good work in you? A work that has yet to be completed. If you're thinking at my baptism, you're right. When you were baptized, you received sanctifying grace into your soul, the very presence of God in your soul. That's the grace you need to get into heaven. It's the grace that Jesus died on the cross to give all of us, to give the whole human race. Sanctifying grace. Don't leave earth without it. Because if you do, you only go in one direction. You could say that the good work Jesus began in us at our baptism was the work of building a dwelling place, building a palace in our soul through grace, a palace that he intends to live in himself, both here and especially in eternity. The work started the moment the priest poured water on your forehead, and said the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But now, the work of building this palace has got to be completed. St. Paul understood that. 
Which is why he offered this prayer for the Philippians and implicitly for all of us in this second reading. Right after he talked about God completing this good work, he offered this prayer. He said, this is my prayer, that your love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and every kind of perception to discern what is of value so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Basically, that's a prayer for us that we will live our faith so that Jesus will continue to build his palace within us and eventually complete his construction project, if you will. Now, I know a lot about construction projects. I learned by force this past summer as our school edition went up. And thankfully, our general contractor, Paul Girard of Mill City, began that good work for us of renovating the existing structure and putting on the new wing. And he was able to bring it to completion before the first day of school in September. But let me tell you, it was not easy. Construction, as most of you know, is never easy. In fact, there were several problems he had to deal with along the way which threatened to keep us from opening up on the scheduled date. And Henry Fiore, the principal, and I were sweating at the thought of this. That was not what we wanted to happen. We had to avoid that at all costs. I'll mention two of these difficulties in this homily because both of them have spiritual parallels. The first was the weather. When we started this project very early in the year, Paul said to us, according to our best estimate, we should be done by mid-August. We certainly shouldn't have any problem finishing up by the beginning of September because we have a pretty large window of time at the end to play with. Well, almost immediately after they dug the hole for the foundation, that big window nearly shut on us. Why? Because of the rain. You remember all the rain we had late winter? early spring, it was bad. There was a stretch of time, two weeks long, I remember distinctly, when it rained every single day. And Paul kept saying, we can't do anything more until this stops. It really seemed like it would never end. You see, this came at the absolute worst time for us because it was so early in the project. If it had occurred later on when the walls were up, the roof was in place, it wouldn't have mattered. The workers could just have worked inside. But at this point, Paul and his men needed at least halfway decent weather to get the foundation and the basic structure in place. When things finally improved and the ground began to dry out, Paul Girard all of a sudden wasn't so optimistic in the weekly meetings Henry Fiore and I had with him. Instead of saying, oh, no problem, he started saying, well, hopefully. Hopefully we'll be able to get everything done on time. 
So that was one issue that almost kept this good work from reaching its completion. The other involved mistakes. The mistakes that were made by some of Paul's workers and subcontractors. Mistakes, of course, will always occur on a construction job. But the one that comes to mind for the purposes of this homily is one which involved a direct violation of one of Paul's orders. One of Paul's commandments, if you will. Paul had told a certain employee explicitly, not once, not twice, not three times, lots of times, how he should handle a particular problem if he ever encountered it, either on our job or on another project. Unfortunately, however, when the problem did occur in the old school building during the summer months, this employee disobeyed his boss. He knew what he should do. He knew exactly how Paul wanted him to proceed in that particular situation. But he ignored Paul's orders, which really were established company protocol, turned away from all that, did it his way. To his great credit, and this is why Henry and I were so pleased with him, Paul Girard was honest. He didn't try to hide what had happened. In fact, he was always upfront with us. He told us at our weekly meeting that his employee had violated his orders on a very important matter and done the exact opposite of what he should have done. So he apologized to Henry and me and said, gentlemen, I assure you the problem will be corrected. It will be corrected at my expense. And please don't worry, this man won't ever do that again because he doesn't work for us anymore. The moral of the story, if you work for Paul Girard, do not disobey his commandments. But you see, bad weather and this man's sin of disobedience, because that set us back a little bit of time as well, those two things almost prevented Paul Girard from completing the good work he had begun at St. Pius X School earlier in the year. And believe it or not, my brothers and sisters, those very same two realities, weather and sin, can prevent Jesus Christ from completing the good work he began in all of us on the day we were baptized. They can keep him from building his magnificent palace in us, in our soul. We all know, for example, some by experience, how the weather of this life can change very quickly, almost as quickly as the weather in New England does. And sometimes when the storms hit, people respond by turning away from God. They turn away from the Lord who loves them, who gave them new life in Christ. We all probably know at least one person who has left the church and lost their faith in the midst of a personal tragedy, a personal storm, like the unexpected death of a loved one. And what happens in a person like that? Well, before the tragedy, they have faith in them. They have hope. They have love. But then those things get replaced by anger and bitterness and unhappiness and self-hatred and maybe even depression. 
Now, that's not what God wants. But God does respect our freedom to say no to Him. And so these people close themselves off from God's grace. That's the tragedy of it all, the real tragedy of it all. Can these men and women reconvert and have their faith restored? Of course. And we need to pray that they do, because if they don't, then God, who began a good work in them at baptism, will not be able to complete it in the way that he wants to. So the weather of life can interfere with God's building plans, but so can our sins, especially if they're serious ones. And so once again, during this season of Advent, John the Baptist makes his appearance in our gospel and calls us to repent. You know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, the Catholic Church is too negative. Now, Father Ray, all he talks about is sin. The church is too focused on sin. No, my brothers and sisters, the Catholic Church is focused on reality. The rest of the world is in la-la land. Not facing this. The church understands the human condition. We're all sinners. Admit it, because it's reality. It's okay, because Christ is with us. We admit that we hurt the Lord. We admit that we hurt other people all the time. And that's why we hear about repentance so often. The church knows repentance for us has got to be ongoing. It has to be a continual phenomenon in our lives. This is why frequent confession is a good and healthy practice. Provided we are examining our conscience as well and being totally honest when we go. Speaking of confession, have you gone yet this Advent? If not, don't worry, there is still a bit of time. Let me conclude today with a prayer. It's a prayer that I wrote for you, for each of you. It ties together everything I've just said in this homily. As I offer it now for you, I hope you will offer this prayer in your hearts for me and for everybody else in church today. May God help you to pass through every storm of your life, through every bit of bad weather that you experience. And may he give you a truly repentant heart always, so that he who began a good work in you on the day you were baptized will be able to complete it. And may that work, that building, be a truly magnificent palace for Jesus Christ to dwell in, now and for all eternity. Amen.